0: This is a live version of Playing Politics, this partnership between WCCO Radio and the Star Tribune editorial board. John Rash and Patricia Lopez join me here. Thank you so much as always for being here. Thanks for the flexibility. As we said earlier, we're going to do this at 11. News breaking. We moved it back. Who knows what news is going to break, maybe even while we're on the air. Patricia, I will start with you. Let's talk about What is happening as we speak, that the president um, is working with uh, Kirsten Nelson and also Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, the Justice Department, an executive order Mm -hmm. to alter in some manner the zero-tolerance policy. We don't have the words yet. We don't know where it will go. No. Why do you think this is happening? Um,
1: Well, we're told that um, what's what's – What's being put out right now is that he's actually not changing the zero tolerance policy itself. They, to, they still intend to prosecute everybody who comes across. Uh, but what they're going to do is keep the families together. They won't separate the children from the parents. Um, if if this is actually what it is, this could be a serious problem because there is, in fact, a uh, consent decree the, in the Flores case that uh, prevents children from being detained for uh, more than a certain period of time. 20 days. Uh, right, 20 days. And um, that was originally designed, by the way, as a protection for the children, not as an excuse to separate them from their parents. That's gotten twisted around a lot right, uh, in a lot of accounts these days, including uh, ones coming from the White House. Um, why is this happening? Obviously, there's been a ton of pressure mm-hmm. on um, the White House. Uh, Department of Homeland Security, Jeff Sessions, uh, Republican lawmakers. Uh, The images are horrible. Um, Sentiment in this country is rising. Um, They just they are appalled not only here but around the world at what the United States is doing, separating uh, children, toddlers, babies uh, from their parents, shipping them sometimes by plane hundreds of miles away um, to I won't even call them shelters. There are other camps. Uh, where they can be kept. Um, there there doesn't seem to be a real effort to uh, keep the child and the parent connected through paperwork so that it will make uh, a reunion easier at some point. And I think if, to the extent that we still have a line in this country, this crossed it.
0: John, I, I use the zero tolerance policy just because this changed in May and the part that changed was the separation of the kids. And Patricia so right on the Flores law. But then also you have... You know, what took place in the Truman administration. You have another law that took place in the Bush administration. And like so many laws, there's different interpretations. Patricia's right about the outrage. But didn't a lot of this have to be driven by Republicans who are reaching out to the president and saying, we are getting killed on this issue? And he finally listened to
2: it. And ultimately, it goes to the public, who were contacting their representatives and senators and saying that regardless of how they voted individually, in the last election or plan to in the next election, that this isn't what America is all about. And you then had these same representatives and senators turn to the president and say, we're getting pummeled in the public debate here, and something has to switch. And so accordingly, the president seemingly has moved. But as both you and Patricia have indicated, it's not specific yet what is being changed. You know, I think both of you mentioned here in terms of the images and the audio. And what's astounding is, even those who support the president's policy here should have been able to see that the optics would have created this public outrage that has led to this reversal. And the fact that they didn't either take account of that or weren't concerned about that suggests a White House in disarray and without the communication professionals that most White Houses have. What I think will be compelling in this extraordinary era is the degree that this might impact Congress's reaction to the DREAMers um, in terms of, you know, these optics will be repeated by people who can speak directly to cameras if they start taking young people who have grown up here, contributed to their communities, and are the type of Americans that, you know, clearly the vast majority of the country wants to keep in this country. If they're sending them to failed states like Venezuela and elsewhere, I think there's going to be a commensurate outcry. And so hopefully... That'll clarify the minds of people in Capitol Hill. So, Patricia, you think about what's
0: been going on in trying to get together, get together a large, comprehensive immigration bill, mm-hmm. right? This has been going on, <clears throat> excuse me, for decades. Yes. Clinton, mm-hmm. Bush, Obama, mm-hmm. now Trump. Mm-hmm. We are in an election year. Mm-hmm. There are such different views within each party mm-hmm. and the White House. What is the likelihood that the White House can either lead— or just ride along, and a bill can gather what is necessary in the Senate. They're, they can get the votes in the House, mm-hmm. but get the sixty votes necessary in the Senate.
1: That's going to require compromise with the Democrats. <clears throat> That's they don't have sixty votes yep. uh, on their own. If they did, they would have passed this already. Um, So, you know, Trump made a big show during his live meeting uh, earlier today with Republican lawmakers um, saying we need Democratic votes. Well, then you've got to offer them something, right? There has to be some compromise, some give and take. It's what's been missing this whole time. It's why we still don't have one. I think, um, you know, all of this business with the zero tolerance and taking children from their parents at the border was a last ditch gambit to try to uh, drive them to the table in in this usual sort of ham-handed negotiating that we've seen. I thought this was sort of a strong-arm play to say, you know, you want this to end, then you better, uh, you know, create the tension Mm -hmm. um, that is going to drive them uh, to the table. And it completely backfired because, as with so many other things we've seen this White House do, there's a lack of planning, there's a lack of foresight, there's a lack of attention to the law – and just a general lack of humanity and empathy, uh, because otherwise, as John said, they should have been able to foresee what was going to happen when you had camps of, um, you know, toddlers and young children and crying, screaming, audio tapes. Um, There was a videotape that surfaced in New York of young girls being led through the streets of New York at one o'clock in the morning, covered with sheets, ushered into cabs so they could be taken to a shelter somewhere else. Uh, without their parents I, you know there's no there's nobody who can watch that and not relate it to their own children you know that they that they prize so much and think what if that were my daughter what if that were my son what if that were me uh, it's they made the mistake of thinking that they could use these kids as bargaining chips and it's completely backfired and now they're looking for a way to get out of it so does this make make it easier or harder to get to an immigration solution overall I don't know
0: so John let me ask you this are the Democrats? Willing to be flexible because, right, they have some leverage here. There's no denying that. Elections have consequences. We know that. The president is either fixated, obsessed, people can use whatever, you know, verb, adverb they want to use on the wall. He believes he won because of the wall. Chuck Schumer, at one point, months and months ago, was willing to trade him $25 billion for the wall as a trade off for greater accommodations to DACA. Is, is that a path? Is that out there, do you think?
2: The fact that it has been discussed suggests that it'll probably come up again and Democrats are going to be reticent to completely commit to building the wall. They may, as Senator Schumer had suggested and as you just referenced, say that they'll allocate a certain amount of money towards border security, which can be very widely interpreted and very and used in in different dynamics. And so I think that that'll probably be part of the discussion. I think that Democrats will likely be willing to deal, although they may stop short of saying we will fully fund the wall itself. And so, you know, I think that this is going to get back into negotiations, but both sides having watched this unseemly episode in American history will most likely say that we don't want to replicate, you know, what happened in any Way, shape or form and we have to come to some kind of consensus to solve this because it is a political but most important in a, an American crisis. Let, let,
1: let's not forget there is a very important element here that is actually much more important than the wall. Democrats already gave in on the wall. They gave in on the wall months ago, you know, to the point where they were saying, you know, when are you going to take yes for an answer. They gave him almost everything he wants. What they've drawn the well, line at. Well, they gave
0: at. him all the one-time payment, right? Right. Yeah. But I mean to fully build what he wants It's well over $20 billion.
1: It's the the legal, not illegal, but the legal immigration rates and the dramatic reduction in those that has proven the real sticking point. And and a lot of people are forgetting about this because that is the end goal for them. It is not about illegal immigration. It is about reducing legal immigration to this country at all levels from all countries, well, some countries in particular, and um, and that is that that is the big debate at this point. Um, you know, you could give token money for the wall. The president could take it, declare victory. And, you know, as presidents do come back for more each time that I don't think that's the real sticking point. The real sticking point are these reductions in legal immigration, in visas, in, um, you know, professionals, that uh, trained, skilled people that are allowed to come over here that are used by so many of our uh, companies. That is, a, that is a much deeper issue, and I, and I don't see a lot of discussion around that, and I don't know what kind of movement there's been, but that is a really important um, point that needs to be settled before you can move ahead with this comprehensive immigration reform.
0: Patricia Lopez and John Rash with us, uh, playing politics, this partnership between CCO Radio and Star Tribune. Okay, John, uh, the president will be in Duluth tonight. People ask, why is he here? I think it's simple as this. You look at the nonpartisan Cook Report. And right now, the state that they list with the most top uh, toss-ups for on the congressional side, California with seven. Number two, Minnesota with four.
2: And you look at yeah. the population difference, it's extraordinary. And yeah. four of our eight congressional seats are indeed in play, and particularly up in the 8th District, which, as most of our listeners know, has historically been Democratic. Went very briefly Republican a few years back, but... Uh, It is now back in play, and the GOP clearly thinks that Pete Stauber, who will be the Republican nominee in the 8th, can win and can flip this state. And from a broader political perspective, when the Republicans face a very challenging election, and it should be noted that every president in their midterm election, it's it's very, Mm -hmm. very tough, and the average loss of seats is well into the double digits. So President Trump certainly is no exception there. That they think that this is one they may be able to reverse in the other way and so when you have just 20 some seats that can change control of congress they're going to look for every advantage in every uh, potential congressional district i think it's very notable that this is the first time that the president has had this kind of a campaign style rally in a state that he lost so, not by much, though. Not at all. And, and he w- won it, on the range. Right. And, and, and he that, won this district by right. 16 points. absolutely, yep. As well as northwestern Minnesota, the yep. 7th district. And so, you know, he, of course, is looking at these midterm elections, but he's also looking at his own 2020 run and yep. hoping that this is a state could that flip he this. can get the percentage and a half points that he didn't get last time and perhaps turn Minnesota red for the first time since 1972. So let's talk about who's not going to be there.
1: Tim mm-hmm.
0: Tim Pawlenty. Is not going to be there unless something dramatically changes. His lieutenant governor candidate will be there. Who Who is
1: also the current lieutenant governor. The current lieutenant
0: governor. (laughs) Uh, The
1: Democratic uh, governor.
0: Right, which is bizarre. (laughs) Uh, Pawlenty has tweeted out, hey, welcome to the state. But he's Mm. not taking any phone calls. We've tried. You've tried. So how's this going to play for Tim Pawlenty when he needs Trump voters. Right. To vote for him to win the primary. Now, he might be trying to play general election here, mm-hmm. but to defeat Jeff Johnson, if, if Trump voters look at this and say, hey, you're not on my team, he could lose.
1: It's possible, but, you know, I think, and I don't claim to know um, what uh, the former governor is thinking, but um, having been through two, uh, two terms with him, I think he's probably thinking that once he gets through the primary, and he's assuming that he will indeed get yep. through the primary, he's got you know, near total name recognition, he's got a huge bankroll, um, Jeff Johnson, I think, is doing his best, but is... Undoubtedly, the a bit of the underdog in this race so far. That's if certainly how Tim
0: Pawlenty's treating
1: That's right. Yeah, that that would be kind of a, a you know a strategic uh, move for him. And uh, once he gets through there, then it's not then the, the choice is no longer for Trump voters between Tim Pawlenty and another Republican. It's between Tim Pawlenty and the Democrats. Yeah. And he probably feels he's still going to look, you know, pretty good by comparison. So the, the move now is to be close, but, you know, maybe a little bit of distance yep. so that if this whole thing blows up, he can say, well, I wasn't there. There are no pictures of me. There's no video of me with my arm around the president. Um, it's interesting,
0: John, because I completely get what Patricia's saying. He's going to be tied to President Trump if he's the nominee, yeah. no matter what. Right. and in and so and so to potentially jeopardize your core
2: I think it's pretty dangerous well and also one is't sure what President Trump will do tonight these are you know highly unscripted oh. rallies and, oh yeah you know he may embrace Jeff Johnson and and he might him embrace him because because he's not up. there exactly and and he, Jeff he Johnson may, has shown complete loyalty to President Trump and, and whereas Governor Pawlenty has has wavered to a little bit.
1: Right. But you know what? Complete loyalty to this president has seldom paid off for people. They show complete loyalty and then they get thrown under the bus anyway. It is entirely possible um, that, it, you know, that he could embrace Jeff Johnson at this rally. And then if Jeff Johnson loses and Tim Pawlenty becomes the nominee and the president thinks that it's in his best interests to uh, ensure that Minnesota goes red. He'll embrace Tim Pawlenty. but that, that could easily happen.
0: So we've got a minute. If he comes out, John, you first and I'll we'll finish with Patricia. If he's the president, either agrees with Jeff Johnson more, he's miffed by this. If he comes out and supports Jeff Johnson, how influential is that just
2: to be the nominee? Helps in the primary, perhaps hurts in the general election to the degree that Jeff Johnson will be tied even closer to President Trump. But it's clearly Jeff Johnson is playing for the primary at this yeah. point. What mm-hmm. do you think? Agree?
1: Uh, yes, he has to. At this point, he has to he has to focus on surviving the primary. Um, so I don't think he has any choice. And even if he does, it's it, this is the path he's chosen to go down. Um, you know, he's declared an end to the refugee program. If he becomes governor, he has openly, you know, supported Trump, uh, courted his support. So uh, yes, he'll be very firmly tied to the president for ill or good.
0: Great stuff. Thanks for the flexibility. Thank pa- you. Patricia and John, check this out, StarTribune.com.